When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back to Hit Parade, a podcast of pop chart history from Slate Magazine about the hits from coast to coast. I'm Chris Melanfi, chart analyst, pop critic, and writer of Slate's Why Is This Song Number One series. On our last episode, we talked about the rise of three British singer-songwriters, Elvis Costello, Joe Jackson, and Graham Parker who came up through pub rock and power pop, adopted punk attitude, helped shape new wave, and were tagged with the moniker Angry Young Men. We're now in the early 80s, when all three of these men would evolve their sound in directions far removed from punk. Elvis Costello had been on a roll with his friend and producer Nick Lowe. Over five straight albums, they had developed a punchy new wave sound that encompassed a range of styles, but still all came out sounding like Costello's brand of power pop. On the final album of their five LP streak, 1981's Trust, Costello and Lowe ranged even more widely, with songs alluding to jazz, rockabilly, even country. The singles veered from the reggae meets cabaret of Clubland, to the minor key soul and melodica dub of Watch Your Step. One track from Trust, the hard-rocking From a Whisper to a Scream, got Costello on Billboard's Rock Tracks chart for the first time, where it peaked at number 46. The song featured counterpoint vocals from Squeeze frontman Glenn Tilbrook. Returning the favor to Tilbrook, Costello produced Squeeze's own 1981 album, East Side Story. As I noted in our Legacy Hits edition of Hit Parade, on the Squeeze single, Tempted, you can briefly hear Costello's voice taking a second verse lyric. Let me go keep 
For all this effort by Costello, his own Trust album was only a moderate success, charting lower than its recent predecessors in both the U.S. and U.K., and, like Get Happy, failing to go gold. The album signaled two things to Costello. First, that it was probably time to try a different production arrangement. There were no hard feelings with Nick Lowe. And second, that his interests were veering far beyond New Wave. For his next LP, Almost Blue, Costello went fully in the direction of country music, recording in Nashville and working with producer Billy Sherrill, famed for recording such legends as George Jones and Tammy Wynette. All of the Almost Blue tracks were country cover songs, including the lead single, Costello's take on the George Jones hit, A Good Year for the Roses. What a good year! The album charted even lower than Trust had, and Costello and the Attractions did not enjoy working with Cheryl. But it scratched an itch for Elvis and hit the reset button on his career, freeing him to try other experiments. Joe Jackson, too, was feeling the itch to spread his wings. On his late 1980 album, Beat Crazy, the title track went deeper into dub reggae than Jackson had ever attempted before. And Jackson even let his bassist, Graham Maybe, trade off the lead vocals with him. And on the Beat Crazy single, One to One, Jackson reduced the drumming to just a soft tap. The Torch song was his most minimal to date. When Beat Crazy sold modestly and generated no hits, Jackson doubled down. He went further, dismantling the Joe Jackson band, his drummer had given notice anyway, and he devoted his fourth album, 1981's Jumpin' Jive, to the sound of 40s big band jazz and jump blues. Amazingly, Jackson's cover of the Cab Calloway classic Jumpin' Jive was a minor hit in the UK, and the album held its own on the charts compared with Beat Crazy. It emboldened Jackson to try an even more eclectic mix on his next LP. For Graham Parker, as the 80s dawned, the big stretch would be in his choice of producer, Arista Records, eager to make him the next Bruce Springsteen, connected Parker and The Rumor with producer Jimmy Iovine, 
who had engineered or produced albums by Springsteen, Patti Smith, John Lennon, and Tom Petty. On The Up Escalator, Iovine paired Parker's typically sardonic lyrics with a mainstream album rock sound, as on the lead single, Stupefaction, Parker's disdaining ode to Los Angeles. And on Endless Night, a song Parker wrote for the 1980 Al Pacino movie, Cruising. Iovine called in a favor, getting Bruce himself to sing backup. Springsteen was a fan of Parker's music, and his stock had never been higher, as he was just coming off his first top 10 hit, Hungry Heart. Springsteen's presence helped get Parker's Endless Night on some album rock stations. And the Up Escalator LP sold decently, matching Squeezing Out Spark's peak of number 40. But critics complained that Jimmy Iovine's production neutered the rumor's raucous sound. Commercially, Graham Parker was always facing an uphill battle. Chart victories were small and hard won. When his 1982 single, Temporary Beauty, finally got Parker on the Billboard Rock Tracks chart for the first time, it only got as high as number 52. By 1982, the music business had become much more visual, thanks, of course, to the 1981 launch of MTV. Any act from the 70s that could translate their sound into the video medium suddenly found themselves in heavier rotation. And you may ask yourself, Bands like Talking Heads, who came up in the original wave of punk, were one of the first bands played on MTV. For his part, Elvis Costello had been shooting videos for years, and interestingly, on the video channel's first day, his Oliver's Army was one of the first 40 videos MTV played. But Costello's videos were mostly relatively low-tech affairs. By 1982, videos like The Human League's Don't You Want Me were not only slicker, glossier, and more expensive. They were changing the very sound of New Wave, 
from power pop and post-punk to synth pop. It was a changing of the guard moment that could have passed the 70s angry young men by. For the next few years, they would develop fitful relationships with the music video era, at times questioning whether the mini-movies were even worth it. This became a live question for Costello right away in 1982 when he released his most ambitious album yet. So in this almost empty gin palace Through a two-way looking glass You see your Beyond Belief was the lead-off track to Imperial Bedroom. Elvis Costello's seventh studio album and his first LP of original material not produced by Nick Lowe. The album was helmed instead by renowned Beatles engineer Jeff Emmerich, and it reflected not only Emmerich's history, but also Costello's ambition, ranging from psychedelia to Baroque art pop in a post-Sgt. Pepper style. When it arrived in the summer of 1982, many critics hailed it as Costello's masterpiece. My hands were clammy and cunning. She's been suitably stunning. But I know there's not a If it had been up to Costello, Beyond Belief would also have been the lead single for Imperial Bedroom. Or, if not that, then Man Out of Time, a stately, lush recording with some of Costello's best lyrics. He called it the heart of the record. But the record label overruled Costello on both tracks, issuing instead the lighter pop number You Little Fool as the first single. And commissioning a cinematic music video for the track in which Costello and his Attractions bandmates were supporting players in a British teen drama. Costello played a wordless school headmaster. The video and the single failed to capture what made Imperial Bedroom unique. And despite the album's critical acclaim, like this year's model in 1978, Imperial Bedroom topped the Paz and Jop critics poll for 1982, the LP performed modestly on the charts and produced no major hits. Even You Little Fool only got as high as number 52 in the UK. Costello had made the album he wanted to make, but he would have to move in a more commercial direction afterward. Just 
ever think those fables and fairy tales from back in the day are just a little bit dusty? Wondery and Tinkercast are bringing you a new kids and family podcast, Once Upon a Beat. Join host DJ Fuchs and his trusty turntable, Baby Scratch, as they deliver remixes of fables and folktales, rhythm and rhymes, and fun spins on classics as old as time. Grab the whole family and get ready to groove because they're putting the rap in Rapunzel and getting down with that funky duckling. Where hip-hop and fables meet, it's Once Upon a Beat. Follow Once Upon a Beat on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to all episodes of Once Upon a Beat early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or Wondery Kids Plus in Apple Podcasts. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval. Terms apply. You might say Joe Jackson's 1982 was the opposite of Elvis Costello's 1982. Like Costello, Jackson released his most adventurous, widest-ranging album that year. But not only didn't it fall short commercially, it wound up being Joe Jackson's biggest-selling, most hit-packed LP. And it all started after Jackson moved from London to New York City. In the fall of 1981, with his band broken up and his latest tour ended, Joe Jackson took up residence in the East Village and started recording in a small Soho studio. Quote, Soho then was a gritty neighborhood of warehouses and loft rentals, he later told music journalist Mark Myers. At night, it was deserted. I recorded late at night. Those hours suited me, unquote. When he wasn't recording, Jackson absorbed New York nightlife. In jazz clubs, he took in the avant-garde sounds of peak modern jazz. On any given night, he might hear combos like, say, John Lurie's Lounge Lizards. This, in turn, informed some of what Jackson was recording. In Latin clubs, Jackson heard salsa and merengue at a time when Hector Laveau was dominant. This, too, informed his songwriting and recording. These sounds and styles would all wind up on Joe Jackson's fifth studio album, 
an LP all about New York City that he would title, in homage to Cole Porter, Night and Day. On top of all these urban sounds, Jackson had been experimenting with synthesizers and drum machines. He told Mark Myers, quote, I liked Kraftwerk's electronic dance beats and bass riffs on albums like Computer World, unquote. So, in his small Soho studio, Jackson programmed a Prophet 5 synthesizer and a Boss DR55 drum machine. These would be his tools for the centerpiece song of Night and Day. A dreamy ode to New York nightlife about a couple who'd been fighting but were now going to make it up to each other by going out dancing. Jackson wanted the song to sound like the 80s and the 40s all at once, projecting the style of vintage jazz age New York into the electronic age. He called the song Steppin' Out. This was the true Joe Jackson a so-called punk who'd really been a sophisticate all along. In the song's music video, filmed at New York's St. Regis Hotel, a housekeeper reimagines herself as a Cinderella for the night, going out on the town with her date as Joe Jackson plays piano and sings in white tie and tails. Steppin' Out and Night and Day reinvented Joe Jackson's career. The video became an MTV staple at the peak of 80s synth-pop. The album, packed with Latin, jazz, and electronic pop sounds, became Jackson's most acclaimed LP since Look Sharp and his biggest hit. Arriving in the summer of 82, Night and Day eventually reached number four on the Billboard album chart, and the single brought Jackson back to the American Top 40. Casey Kasem counted it down. In the summer of 1979, Englishman Joe Jackson hit the Top 40 for the first time with a song called Is She Really Going Out With Him? That record got as high as number 21 on the chart. This week, his second Top 40 hit climbs three notches to number 32. Joe Jackson, stepping up. By December, Steppin' Out peaked at number six on the Hot 100. The biggest pop single any of the so-called angry young men would ever have. It also kicked off a brief flurry of hit-making for Joe Jackson, 
who immediately followed Steppin' Out with another top 20 hit, the tender, urbane, jazzy ballad Breaking Us in Two, which reached number 18 in early 1983. And on MTV, a third track from Night and Day, a searching, dramatic torch song about male sexuality called Real Men, went into rotation and won praise from critics who compared its anthemic chorus to Bruce Springsteen and Phil Spector. These would be Jackson's last music videos for quite a while, as he detested making them and concluded that they overinterpreted and limited his songs. But Jackson had now established himself on the charts enough that he would score more hits even without MTV. By 1983, if anyone was going to have to make peace with MTV and the age of new romantic pop, it was Elvis Costello. On his next album, Punch the Clock, Costello worked with 80s hitmakers Clive Langer and Alan Wynn Stanley, who'd worked with MTV staples Madness and Dexie's Midnight Runners. Costello was ready to record some hits, and in an attempt to write one, he took inspiration from this ditty by his friend Nick Lowe, a song Lowe had recorded in 1980 with his Dave Edmonds group Rockpile, called When I Write the Book. Costello took that title and adapted it into his own ditty about writing a book, with a wickedly catchy piano hook and chanting female backing vocals. He called it, Every Day I Write the Book. Paired with a cheeky music video that depicted celebrity lookalikes of Prince Charles and Princess Diana navigating domestic life, Every Day I Write the Book took off on MTV and on the charts. To this date, no single by Costello had even cracked the Hot 100, let alone the Top 40. Every Day I Write the Book finally changed that. Casey Kasem counted it down. We're up to the first hit single by the man who for many years has been a favorite among rock critics around the world. Many have called this bespectacled guitar player one of the greatest songwriters in pop music today. In Rolling Stone, critic Greil Marcus wrote, one of the unquestioned originals of modern pop music. He combined the brains of Randy Newman and the implacability of Bob Dylan the everyman pathos of Buddy Holly, and the uniqueness of John Lennon. 
This man who has pleased so many critics dared to name himself after the king of rock and roll, Elvis Presley. And now he's got his very first hit single in the USA. It debuts this week at number 38. Elvis Costello and the attractions with Every Day I Write the Book. Though Every Day I Write the Book only wound up a number 36 pop hit and number 33 on the Rock Tracks chart, it fueled Punch the Clock to Elvis Costello's best album sales in more than three years. It also made Costello conversant with MTV, reupholstering his image for the synth-pop age. On his follow-up LP, 1984's Goodbye, Cruel World, Costello again worked with Langer and Win Stanley. Though the album was savaged by critics, it got Costello back on MTV, with such synth-heavy singles as I Wanna Be Loved, and the Daryl Hall duet The Only Flame in Town, which just missed the pop top 40. By 1984 and 85, thanks to the MTV and radio success of New Wave, all of the post-punk survivors of the late 70s were scoring pop hits. Joe Jackson went deeper into Sophistapop on his next album, Body and Soul, which was also recorded in New York City and infused with even greater influence from Latin pop and jazz. Its lead single, the irresistibly syncopated You Can't Get What You Want Till You Know What You Want, reached number 15 in the summer of 1984. At the height of synth-pop, Joe Jackson was getting smooth jazz on the radio. And a duet between Jackson and singer Elaine Caswell called Happy Ending also reached the Hot 100 as Body and Soul broke into the top 20 on the album chart. In the UK, Nick Lowe returned to the pop chart with the rockabilly-flavored Half a Boy and Half a Man, whose retro beachy video got Lowe onto MTV. Even Graham Parker finally became a hitmaker. In 1983, he cracked the Hot 100 for the first time in six years with the synth-pop-friendly Life Gets Better. Okay, it only got as high as number 94. 
But in 1985, after Parker switched labels again from Arista to Elektra and formed a new backing band called The Shot, he recorded a Smokey Robinson-style slow dance ballad that was easily his most romantic song ever, Wake Up Next to You. And Casey Kasem finally had a reason to say Graham Parker's name on American Top 40. Number 40. Here's a debut song in more ways than one. It's by the English singer and songwriter who's been a favorite of rock critics since 1976, Graham Parker. But this is the first time Graham's hit the Top 40. His song is Wake Up Next to You. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget, giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Wake up next to you, peaked at number 39. Parker's first and last time in the Pop Top 40, but not his last time on a Billboard chart. So, in the 70s, the angry young men had been on trend with post-punk and new wave. In the early 80s, MTV forced them to play catch-up. By the late 80s, as New Wave pivoted toward what became known as alternative rock, the formerly young men, all in their 30s, began to resemble elder statesmen. 
And however unwittingly, they again seemed a little ahead of the curve, mostly because they were doing whatever they wanted. In 1986 alone, Elvis Costello released two albums that sounded like they could have come out in the 90s. King of America was produced by T-Bone Burnett, who, a decade and a half later, would win Grammys for producing the Oh Brother Where Art Thou soundtrack. But Burnett first honed his Americana sound with Costello, King of America was a collection of roots rock and country folk gems, including a cover of the Animals classic Don't Let Me Be Misunderstood, which got Costello back on rock radio. It peaked on the album rock chart at number 38. Then, later that same year, Costello reformed the attractions for one last 80s album, the bruising and raucous Blood and Chocolate. Recorded near live in the studio and loud, in as few takes as possible, the album was later tagged by critics as a kind of proto-grunge before that term had even been coined. Ironically, the best-remembered song from Blood and Chocolate was a rather slow song, the sinister I Want You, a paean to romantic obsession that many mistook for a love song. Attraction's bassist Bruce Thomas called it neurotic. I Want You remains one of Costello's most covered compositions. I want you, did you mean to tell me, but seem to forget, I want you. Joe Jackson, meanwhile, was even more determined to follow his muse. He tried a little bit of everything. His 1986 LP, Big World, for example, was a live album of all new material, recorded for the first time in front of an audience who were instructed not to cheer or applaud. It produced an album rock radio hit with Right and Wrong, which got all the way to number 11 on that chart. That same year, Jackson backed up rising folk rocker Suzanne Vega on her Pretty in Pink soundtrack single, Left of Center. Jackson didn't sing. He played piano on the track. On his concert tours, when Jackson played old material, he refused to play the songs as they were originally arranged on record, alternately confounding and delighting his audiences. 
his 1988 live album captured three versions of Is She Really Going Out With Him in three styles, including jazz rock, acoustic, and even a cappella. And Jackson even tried fulfilling his original teenage dream of being a classical composer, with 1987's vocal-free LP, Willpower. Some critics called it pretentious, but many were impressed he did it at all. Speaking of willpower, Graham Parker was perhaps the most willful of all, switching record companies two more times over just one album that he refused to compromise on. That album was called The Mona Lisa's Sister, a record Parker wanted to write and produce himself. He'd just signed to Atlantic Records, already his fourth label in a decade. Parker had the worst luck with record labels. He played them the demos he'd been working on and offered to record the LP. When Atlantic insisted that he work with outside producers and give the tracks some studio sheen, Parker flatly refused, left Atlantic Records, signed to RCA Records, and produced the whole album himself with members of The Rumor for less than $60,000. Released in 1988, The Mona Lisa's Sister generated two airplay hits in two radio formats. Get Started, Start a Fire reached number 23 on the album rock chart. And when Billboard launched Modern Rock Tracks, the magazine's first alt-rock chart, in September of 88, Parker's Don't Let Them Break You Down was on the very first chart, peaking at Modern Rock at number 27. For a brief time, Parker was welcomed at Modern Rock Radio as a kind of alternative godfather. In 1989, his single Big Man on Paper cracked the Modern Rock Top 20, peaking at number 18. Joe Jackson, too, made an early appearance on the modern rock chart, taking his single, 19 Forever, a track from his 1989 album, Blaze of Glory, all the way to number four.
But the capo of these alt-rock godfathers was Elvis Costello, who went all the way to number one in the modern rock chart's first year. Funnily enough, he did it with what turned out to be his all-time biggest pop hit. And he had an assist from a certain pop legend. Veronica was co-written by Costello with former Beatle Paul McCartney, a character study of an elderly woman suffering from memory loss, the song featured numerous Beatlesque touches, not least its bass line, which McCartney himself played on his trademark Hofner bass. Released in the winter of 1989 as the lead single from Costello's new Warner Brothers album, Spike, Veronica first rose to number one on the modern rock chart for two weeks, then crossed over to the Hot 100, where it reached number 19, Elvis Costello's first and only U.S. Top 20 pop hit. While it was climbing the Hot 100, sitting just a few notches below it was another Elvis Costello, Paul McCartney composition, this one with McCartney as the singer and the official artist. My Brave Face gave the former Beatle a number 25 hit. McCartney also played bass on Costello's follow-up single, the number four modern rock hit, This Town. At age 35, Costello was emerging as an alt-rock radio fixture. Perhaps the most uncanny moment on this chart for the not-so-angry, no-longer-young men came two years later, in the summer of 1991. For three weeks, while Elvis Costello held down the number one spot with his frothy single, The Other Side of Summer, Sitting directly behind him at number two modern rock for three weeks was none other than Joe Jackson with his comeback rock single, Obvious Song. It was the last time either Costello or Jackson would place that high on any Billboard chart. Still, that's a pretty good fluke chart story, right? Well, I've got a better one. It's one of my favorite music biz flukes of all time, and it happened one year later to New Wave fellow traveler Nick Lowe when this pop legend recorded this classic song.
what does this have to do with Nick Lowe, you ask? When Whitney Houston dominated the Hot 100 with her cover of Dolly Parton's I Will Always Love You, recorded for the soundtrack to Whitney's 1992 film The Bodyguard, the Bodyguard soundtrack became a blockbuster, selling 20 million copies in the U.S. alone, and some 45 million copies worldwide. Now, it so happens that Houston's cover of Parton's song wasn't the only remake on that album. Famously, Houston also covered the Shaka Khan hit I'm Every Woman as well. But buried in the back half of the Bodyguard soundtrack was this recording by a smooth jazz vocalist named Curtis Stigers. And it's time I feel like this inside It was a cover of What's So Funny About Peace, Love, and Understanding, the song Elvis Costello had made famous in 1978. Except Costello didn't write Peace, Love, and Understanding. His friend Nick Lowe did. The Peacenik anthem Lowe wrote for his first band, Brinsley Schwartz. wound up on an album that sold tens of millions of copies. The man whose Cruel to be Kind had made him a one-hit wonder, who hadn't scored so much as a gold album, let alone platinum. Even Costello had a couple of those. Nick Lowe was now, thanks to the royalties from the Bodyguard soundtrack, a millionaire. As of his mid-40s, Nick Lowe was set for life. God help the beast in me. This incredible good fortune meant that Nick Lowe needn't record ever again. Fortunately for music fans, he did not rest on his laurels. He continued to release albums and tour, writing gems like The Beast in Me, a song covered by Johnny Cash, among others, and She's Got Soul, the lead single from his acclaimed 2001 album, The Convincer. She's got soul, soul. I've just found a pearl. She's got soul. As for Elvis Costello, he has released more than a dozen albums since the 90s, refusing to be limited to any one genre or medium. He has recorded a hybrid classical pop album with string players the Brodsky Quartet. Now there's no way Written with songwriting legend Burt Bacharach for the soundtrack of the musical film Grace of My Heart. And 
and even joined Fiona Apple on stage at a VH1 Live event for Apple's cover of Costello's brooding lust anthem, I Want You. I want you. Joe Jackson has continued to inspire generations of musicians, especially pianists. Alt-rock piano man Ben Folds has claimed Joe Jackson was a primary influence on his hits with the Ben Folds Five. And Jackson himself has continued to record well into the 21st century. His 20th album, Fool, was released in 2019, and it sounds like Vintage Joe. Bassist Graham Maybe, by the way, is still in Jackson's band after more than 40 years. And Graham Parker, he too kept recording both with and without the rumor, even as that one big pop hit always eluded him. He had enough of a sense of humor about this to play himself in the 2012 Judd Apatow comedy This Is 40 in which Paul Rudd, owner of an indie record label, signs Parker and reunites the rumor to try and get them the hit they deserve. Tonight, we have him solo because we couldn't afford to fly in the rumor. Graham Parker. What these formerly angry young men, now in their 60s and 70s, all have in common is a catalog of great songs and a sense of perspective. You can hear it in the voices of Elvis Costello and Nick Lowe when they tour together and perform the song that made them both pseudo-pop stars. The song's title, daring you to call peace, love, and understanding funny, well, it still sounds a little bit punk. But the message now sounds totally appropriate, coming from a pair of happy old men. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Hit Parade. Our show was written, edited, and narrated by Chris Melanthi. That's me. Special thanks this month to All Music's Stephen Thomas Earlwine for research support. My producer is Kevin Bendis. Kevin also produced the latest installment of our monthly Hit Parade The Bridge shows, which are available exclusively to Slate Plus members.
In our latest Bridge episode, I talked to Stephen Thomas Erlewine about the angry young men of the 70s and the pub rock, power pop, and punk scenes that lay a foundation for their careers. To sign up for Slate Plus and hear not only The Bridge, but all our shows the day they drop, visit slate.com slash hitparadeplus. Derek John is executive producer of Narrative Podcasts, and Alicia Montgomery is VP of Audio for Slate Podcasts. Check out their roster of shows at slate.com slash podcasts. You can subscribe to Hit Parade wherever you get your podcasts, in addition to finding it in the Slate Culture feed. If you're subscribing on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review us while you're there. It helps other listeners find the show. Thanks for listening, and I look forward to leading the hit parade back your way. Until then, keep on marching on the one. I'm Chris Malampi. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.